welcome back to the mid-level exception. Uh, thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, today we were joined by a very special guest. Uh, first, let me introduce, as usual, Rodney Dario. Say hello, Rodney. Feels great, baby. <laughs> yes, always the feels great. Uh, yeah, and then... No, sorry. I don't know if you heard the Niners in the Super Bowl. Just yeah, FYI. Right, <laughs> yes. If you didn't, you can check back on our previous episode uh, where we did cover the Niners being in the Super Bowl. So, uh, and if, today we're joined by our very first guest ever, uh, the great Shang Peng, uh, the beat writer for the Fear the Fin, as well as writes for Point Hockey. Uh, he's also covered in his, uh, before he's covered the LA Kings and Vegas Golden Knights, but currently writes for the great, well, not so great San Jose Sharks. Welcome to the podcast, Shang. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Yes, we really appreciate. So, uh, Shang, before we kind of get going, why don't you tell us how you got into hockey and how you what like what was your favorite team growing up, your favorite players growing up, and kind of what brought you to the great sport that hockey is? Sure, absolutely. And uh, first, I do want to say I'm honored to be your uh, first guest. So I I feel like. Uh, uh, ho- hopefully, I have a, a courtesy a prize coming in the mail for me. <laughs> oh, of course. Don't worry. We're working on that right now. <laughs> but um, anyway, though, uh, so how I got into hockey, um, I was uh, seven years old, uh, living in Los Angeles, and I never heard about the sport before. I had no idea what the sport was. And I heard on television that the greatest player in the world had been traded to Los Angeles. And I didn't know what that meant, but just the greatest player in what? And this part was hockey, the greatest player in hockey, uh, in hockey, Wayne Gretzky, the great one. And the first time I had to look at him in a Kings jersey, it was in those sweet silver, white, and black jerseys. And I thought those were just about the coolest things that I'd ever seen. And so, you know, you can insert your, your boo sound here. I became a <laughs> Kings fan uh, growing up. I was a diehard Kings fan. And... Um, Growing up, obviously, Gretzky uh, was my favorite. I loved uh, Adam Deadmarsh. Uh, I was a Kings fan for a really, really long time. Uh, but what led me into hockey writing was I had a dream of uh, one day covering the Kings at Staples Center. But that didn't quite uh, materialize uh, for different reasons. Uh, but just didn't, didn't, didn't quite work out there. And for me to kind of uh, get my career moving forward, I had to go somewhere else to cover a team. And that team was the Vegas Golden Knights. And that's what eventually led me to San Jose. Nice. So, I mean, you got pretty lucky with Vegas. Uh, you know, you jumped, jumped in and then all was, you know, they go to the Stanley Cup their first round. So, or their first year. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. So, um, I wasn't luck. I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were there. I mean, and then you covered the Sharks yes. last year and they almost made it to the Cup too. So, you know, maybe you're you're the good luck charm wherever a team goes. Well, I, I've had a pretty good run. Actually, My the very first approach team I covered was Ontario Reign in 2015-16, the first year that they were in Southern California along with the Barracuda. And the Reign made it to the conference final also. And so I had three years in a row where the teams I covered uh, made, it, uh, made it to the conference final or final. But it looks like my luck has run out. <laughs> you just need a... Jump to uh, Seattle when they come and give them some exactly, time. exactly. Anyway, I don't blame myself. I blame Doug Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So um, I have a, a question. Yeah. So you know, as a fellow Asian myself, um, like growing up, like the only like Asians I saw on TV or just covering sports were like you know 
Tim Kawakami um, from like the San from San Jose Mercury News, uh, mm-hmm. Michael Kim on Sports Center. Um, but now I get to you know, there's just a lot more um, like Pablo Torre, Mina Kimes, Chase Concepcion, Shams. You know, a lot more uh, Asians representing sports uh, in the media and writing. So, like, who were your influences growing up? Like, uh, who did you look up to for? <laughs> Funny enough, uh, I'm uh, old enough to uh, remember uh, Tim uh, Kawakami at the Los Angeles Times. I think he was a Lakers beat writer for a little while in the late 90s also. Um, so he's somebody that, that I read. Um, you know, it, it was never uh, something about, uh, I guess, seeing Asians do the same thing that I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would I will say, though, that uh, one, one writer in, in hockey that has... Uh, set a high standard uh, for, for I think, all, all, well, just all Asian sport writers is uh, Fluto uh, Shinzawa. Uh, you guys might know him. Uh, he covers the Bruins for The Athletic. And uh, he, his work in terms of just the, the, the depth, the, the hockey depth, you know, if you've uh, read any, uh, any of my work, uh, I, I try to get into kind of the details of hockey. And he does an amazing job of that. Um, nothing to do with him being Asian, of course, but he just does a great job of that. And he's somebody that uh, I model my work after. Yeah, it wasn't more so like um, like a race thing, but just kind of, you know, I think when you see somebody, you know, who's similar to you or looks like you, you know, it's kind of, you know, um, just to provide any kind, you know, just to sure. picture themselves. Yeah, no, you absolutely, know? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I think uh, when I got into writing, though, uh, one influence that I had was, and I think it was influenced for a lot of people back then, was uh, Bill Simmons. And just having somebody kind of write in that sort of, uh, uh, you know, jocular uh, fan, you know, fan voice, uh, of course. And that's when I was still a diehard Kings fan. And so I, I, I tried my hand at doing that kind of work, and I didn't do it as well as he did, of course. And uh, another person that was, a, I think, a major influence in the kind of uh, Bill Simmons vein, but in hockey, was a Sean McIndoe, of course. Hmm. And those are a couple guys that I that that I read that I really enjoyed uh, when I was younger, and sort of made me, you know, interested in in writing hockey writing or sports writing as a field. And it's sort of uh, funny that what I write isn't, you know, anything like that, <laughs> anything like, like, like that kind of work. And what I enjoy, I guess these days isn't quite uh, what, what, what they do, but, but they're, uh, they, they are, uh, they, they were, and they are uh, great, you know, great writers, great communicators of their love of the sport. And so those are a couple guys that I read uh, back then too. Yeah. I think, uh, sorry, Rodney. Uh, yeah. Like Simmons is definitely somebody who Rodney and I both really enjoy. We've been reading his work for a long time and we definitely, we listen to his podcasts and you know, that's uh, like our favorite podcaster, the guest Align podcast he does with cousin Sal every week. And, you know, yeah, we definitely uh, love, love Simmons. So. Yeah. 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 I think that he uh, has a special place uh, no matter what, what you, and I, I know these days as large, you know, as big as he is, there's, he has a lot of critics, but um, he has a special place just for being maybe the first one really to break through that to show like the a co- you know the, the the common fan like 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 I like I am was like 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 you guys you know are were that we could you know we could we could write something or communicate something that would interest a, a large audience you know sharing that kind of communal experience. Oh yeah. 
definitely yeah um and then also kind of kind of back to um now you said you dreamed about writing for the kings um but you said it kind of work out how you wanted but uh just kind of when you're starting like what were mm -hmm. like your uh, biggest challenges Oh, I started write, writing at a site, uh, the, the Hockey Writers, uh, which is uh, still around. And actually, funny enough, uh, the first team that they had me cover, I wanted to cover the Kings, but they had a writer uh, covering them already. I covered the Minnesota Wild <laughs> of all teams. And uh, actually, they gave me two choices. They gave me the, the Wild or the Canadians. And I said, oh, well, the Canadians, they have you know, 100 years of history or so. So that would be pretty cool to cover them. So I picked them. Uh, but then somebody else, you know, they gave the Canadians to somebody else. But actually, though, I was uh, grateful uh, for uh, for getting the the wild because they had, you know, I you know I said the Canadians have a hundred years of history. Uh, the wild had at that point uh, maybe fifteen years of history <laughs> or ten years of history. So it was a lot easier, basically, ten years of history. It was a lot easier to uh, to to catch up on their history. And yeah. so, you know, going back to what was the biggest challenge? The biggest challenge uh, for me was how could I how how could I uh, uh, get the audience's attention? How could I you know get eyes? And you know it's it's a tremendous challenge as you know as as you guys know in our field where there's uh, so much kind of content you know the the the, the blessing of a guy like a, a quote unquote fan like Bill Simmons you know coming along and you know showing that you could be a superstar at this. The blessing of course is that it's possible for anyone. But the curse is that, well, you know, it's possible for anybody. So everybody is doing it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so how do you uh, stand out, you know, uh, uh, in, in this pack, right? And so the biggest challenge was how, how would I stand out? And how would I uh, gain an audience, gain, gain a following? And the, the way I did it was just, uh, you know, I talked about the, the research, you know, researching the, the wild history, or I would research the Canadians' history if I was given that. And, and that's what I did. I, I researched it so well that uh, when I was writing at the, at the hockey writers, there would be Minnesota fans who thought that I, I was a born and bred Minnesotan. <laughs> and that's the kind of um, standard that I, you know, hold myself today. You know, I, I, I like to think that if I hadn't told everybody that I came from uh, Vegas, I was a Kings fan, that I know a lot, enough about the Sharks and Sharks history and all the players and whatnot and all the particulars that you couldn't distinguish me from, from anybody else. And I, I think that something else that I try to bring in every article, even today, that I did back then to kind of help gain that audience was that in every single article, there would be at least one thing one thing that you couldn't get anywhere else, whether it could be uh, some research that I did, uh, it could be, you know, eventually uh, as, as I was able to, you know, make more contacts, make more connections, I could interview people, so it could be an interview with somebody. But just something in there that if you are a Wild fan looking at my article or a Sharks fan, uh, something that, that, that I, I had looked up that you're just not going to get anywhere else, some bit of research, some bit of... Uh, 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 some conclusion that, that I, had, I had drawn, um, a quote, something that you can't get anywhere else. And that's how I think in uh, all, the, all, the, all the markets that I've sort of covered in a team, uh, whether it's the Ontario Rain in the Los Angeles market or the Golden Knights in the Las Vegas market or San Jose here, um, just always have something that I guess – one of a kind special in, in, in each of your articles. Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've been reading your article, especially on Fear the Fin, 
um, just yeah, that the thing that you kind of bring that I really enjoy is the way you, the details and how you break stuff down. If it's video or the way you write about it, and it just makes me feel like a smarter hockey fan. You know, I've been a Sharks fan basically since the, the end of the lockout, but you know, and you know, I grew up kind of watching hockey here and there, but um, you know, I feel like when I read your articles, I come away like a smarter fan and I've learned something or that's what I, you know, every time I read. Well, no, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. I think the, the video component of my work uh, came a little bit uh, later. It wasn't what I got into hockey uh, writing uh, for, uh, as I mentioned, you know, with, you know, early, early on with, you know, guys like Bill Simmons, uh, McIndoo as sort of uh, my, uh, I guess my primary influences, that's not stuff that they do. And so, my work was probably a little more akin to to theirs, a little more kind of like historically based. You know, these both of those guys really love to dig into history, and 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 I I, I so I did that, and I still like to do that. But the video stuff, uh, video component, I, I added a little bit later in terms of just uh, learning the game and learning how to, you know, break down the game. Not not to say that I'm I, I I'm like a coach. I'm not at all. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't want that impression out there. But like. To so try to look at it from from <laughs> no, but to look at it from 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 what I think their eyes are though I guess what the coach's eyes are to look at it from their perspective, and uh, and that is also something that yeah like if if I don't have deep research if I don't have uh, some uh, singular quote well then that that video element that analysis element is something that I can bring to my articles that you're not likely to get somewhere else. Awesome. Uh, so kind of touching back on your, your luck of uh, covering teams that go deep into the playoffs. So the Sharks this year, uh, they're they're not making the playoffs unless they go on some sort of miraculous run here after the All-Star break. So how does that kind of change things when you're covering a team that's not heading to the playoffs compared to like your previous, uh, you know, like previous seasons? Well, frankly, guys, I don't know how to cover them. <laughs> but, but uh, i'm gonna try my best and i actually have been thinking about it a lot over the last couple of weeks because as the last couple of weeks it has sort of crystallized that and i it's, you know i sort of knew it from the uh, maybe the first month the first month of the season i could definitely tell there's something wrong with the sharks team and that wasn't that as confident as i was in the summer that they were going to make the playoffs but uh over the last couple of weeks so it's really crystallized that this team you know just probably doesn't have it, you know, well, it doesn't have it this, this year. And so I, I think that uh, you start to focus on, at least for me, at least, uh, start to focus on the youngsters and mm-hmm. you start looking at what they're doing and whether or not they can be part of a championship solution. You know, whether or not, uh, you know, because in, in this kind of time when the team's not good, where it's easier to get a lineup spot, uh, guys will impress you. Guys will do things that you think, oh, he, he's kind of good, but you're kind of comparing him to other players who aren't that good. Yeah. And so I, I think that the, the more interesting question uh, with, you know, the, all these young guys they have, uh, Ferraro, uh, Blickfeld, you know, Gambrell down the line, can any of these guys be part of a uh, Sharks team that can rebound uh, next year or in a couple of years and, and get back to the place that they want to get to? Gotcha. Um, so kind of touching on that. So, uh, like the disappointing season. So, um, Hasso Plattner, the owner of the Sharks, he had a, you know, quote today. I'm stealing from your Twitter feed here on Doug Wilson. Oh, I, I stole from Sharks PR. They sent me an email. I did not talk to Hasso uh, directly. So, uh, sorry if anybody's disappointed by that. 
That's uh, okay. Yeah, you don't have his cell phone number? No, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to knock you down a peg now. Uh, but no, uh, back to, so yeah, he uh, he said, well, you know, while we were very disappointed on the team's performance uh, thus far this season, Doug has a long history of leading our team's success. I'm supportive of Doug's plan to get our team back on track. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of owners give, you know, the vote of confidence to GMs or coaches and um, I know there's been a lot of heat on Doug Wilson. I mean, unfairly or, you know, there's criticism for the team, the construction of the team this year. But I, um, do you think the Sharks would really be inclined to move on from Doug Wilson or do you think his job is pretty safe? I think it's it's safe for another year. It doesn't seem like it's a Platner's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Hasso, uh, my the, the, the guy who I have the cell phone stuff, right? Hasso's <laughs> yeah. uh, mo. <laughs> I, I don't think it's Platner's mo to to move on quickly from things, as we've seen with the, having Doug Wilson for so long. The Sharks even still playing at SAP Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's it's in his in his what we've seen. He he's going to have that that patience. And he's yeah. gonna give uh, Doug a, a shot at least, at least, at least this summer, I think, to turn thing turn things around. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like as a Sharks fan, I know there's a lot of people like Doug Wilson's, you know, kind of ruined the team. But I mean, they they have basically since the you know, moment he got there, they've been playoff contenders or uh, cup contenders for the majority of the seasons he's been there. Right. And, and I don't know, I mean, who else are you gonna replace him with? That's kind of my right. Thing, and so. and also too. Uh, these are problems, admittedly, that, that Doug created for himself with some of these contracts that he signed. But if you just hire a, a new GM, it's going to be the same problems, so the same the same issues. And yeah. so why not go with a guy who has, like you said, uh, uh, led the, the, the Sharks to a really long uh, string of success? You know, one of the most impressive things that you think about is um, uh, every year uh, I, I can think of, I think that the Sharks have been thought of, oh, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a contender. Even 2014-15 when they missed, and this year too, going to this year. You know, they, these were years that a lot was expected out of both teams, and um, obviously the teams have disappointed. And Doug needs to take his, uh, you know, his uh, take his take his licks for that. But to 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 build a team with this kind of expectation year after year. It, uh, is not is not easy, um, and so I I, I think I, I I'm very sure that, that he's going to get another shot, and I can't really see anything that's going to happen in the next few months that um, will you know will 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 stop him from getting at least this summer to try to turn things around. Yeah, speaking of Doug Wilson, I mean, I know the Sharks have said they're uh, going to be sellers at the deadline. Um, who do you think stays and goes? I mean, some names you know foot around like. The bank, uh, Melker, Dylan. Um, who do you think stays and goes? Well, Melker and, and, and Dylan have been uh, talked about a lot already, and they're, they're UFA, so those guys are as you know as good as gone. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they'll take any anything for them. Um, you know, LeBanc's a tricky case because he's had his disappointing season, but he is still a younger player uh, with uh, great talent and potential, and the Sharks don't have a lot of those. And so I'm not sure who I'm not I'm not sure what what a trade fit uh, trade fit is for for LeBanc because he's not having a great season so you're not going to get the appropriate value for him and so he seems like a guy that has more value to the Sharks now than uh, than uh, yeah more more value to the Sharks uh, now than trading him for you know fifty cents on on the dollar. Um, 
I, I read your article, JD, about uh, letting Thornton go. And if he wants to go, then that's that. That'll be fantastic. Honestly, you know, he deserves a chance to win a cup. I don't know if he has the same juice in his game that 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 people uh, think he does, because he's one of the reasons why the Sharks are where they are right now, due to yeah. Frank. But uh, but he can still play, but he can still help them. And so if you have the right expectations for him, that he can still help you win a Stanley Cup. But the same goes for Patrick Marlowe. I, I think maybe it's because I, I, I'm not a Sharks fan, but I think it would be amazing if Thornton and Marlowe went to the same place and formed a killer fourth line and, you know, won a Stanley Cup. I, I, that would be great. But uh, so so those are those are, those are two guys with Thornton and Marlowe that obviously have their choice if they want to if they want to uh, uh, stay or but if they want if they want to leave, then yeah, find find a place that, that they can win. Um, besides that, uh, I think uh, if you can get uh, appropriate offer for Burns or Vlasic, you have to consider it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not as down mm-hmm. on either of them as uh, some of the more uh, analytically inclined Sharks fans, I guess I would say. <laughs> Our uh, friend Eric because, Fell. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure, and they all have valid valid points. Not just Eric, yeah. you know, it's a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of analytics in in, in general. Um, you know, yeah, Eric's not pulling them from, from thin air. These numbers, you know, their numbers yeah. aren't great. And Vlasic's uh, in particular haven't been good for the last couple of years. But I still see a lot uh, in both of their games. And I think in the right situation, they can still be uh, very, very effective, especially Burns. I, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I don't think he's that far from his best seasons. Actually, last season was one of his better years. Uh, Vlasic may be a little farther from his best years. Um, so it might be tougher to... And I think his contract is a little bit longer than Burns, so it might be it might be tough to get an offer for for him. But because they are on the wrong side of thirty, and and there is some slip in their game, especially Vlasic, it's been a couple of years now for him. If you can get something for him where you don't have to eat contract or too much contract, you have to think about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if those 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 offers are coming. By the way, so I think there's a good chance that that Dylan and Melker go. And mm-hmm. you have a lot of this the same core, you know. Thornton retires. I assume Marlowe retires. So I think Marlowe, to me, has shown a little more juice than than Joe. So maybe maybe, maybe Marlowe comes back for another run. Not that he would be, you know, really relevant uh, with a top line player, but um, but yeah, I think there's a good chance that there may not be a lot of movement. And of course, there's Jones, which everyone would love to trade, but he <laughs> is untradeable at this point. So yeah, his contract is. Uh, I think we talked about it two episodes episode or two episodes ago where yeah his contract is is unmovable at this time at this yeah point, yeah so. i mean you had to eat a significant amount of salary to, to yeah. do so but uh it's an interesting point i think with uh marlo because i he's getting really close to hitting the all times games played mm-hmm. I, I mean i don't know but just getting a sense i think that management stuff would like to see him do that in a strikes uniform so <laughs> I don't know if they really wanted to do that. They should have signed him in uh, in the summer, not in the summer. Yeah, four games. <laughs> yeah, they could have used him in his quest to uh, to break Gordy's record. So, uh, speaking out the summer, what do you think? Uh, kind of going back, if Doug Wilson slash the coaching like DeBoer, uh, you know, what do you think that they could have? They wish they had done differently in the off season, maybe to try to uh, keep the Sharks from having such a uh, disappointing season. Well, I think in general, sign more forwards, add, add to the depth, basically. Uh, the Sharks went in this year uh, counting on 
Couture and Hurdle to be as good as as they've been the last uh, well Hurdle last year and Couture uh, just over his career, which is fine. Same thing with Kane too. They expected some consistency from those guys. They expected Meyer and LeBanc to take a step forward. They expected Thornton to kind of maintain uh, what he was last year. And last year, I thought that he was uh, the Western Conference's best third line center. I thought he was still uh, really an impact player last year. Still, and so they they kind of made these bets, and they weren't. They weren't bad bets uh, by, mm. by by any stretch, but they didn't have any any backup for in case these bets failed. You know, depth, and most of these bets, uh, well, uh, half of these bets kind kind, kind of failed. Uh, Thornton took a big step backward. Uh, LeBanc and Meyer, whatever you think of them, uh, they didn't take a step forward. You know, I think yeah. we can kind of agree agree on that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and then you don't have the depth that you had last year. I, I've cited the stat many times, but last year the Sharks had nine 50 plus point scores, and nine of them, and no one else in the league had five. <laughs> That's how much depth last year Sharks teams had. Sharks team had, and so that Sharks team could survive, let's say, an injury to a Couture like this year, or they could survive a, a Joe Thornton getting old. This year's team couldn't survive that kind of thing. And so what, what they could have done this summer is sign some forwards. Uh, sign Marlowe uh, earlier than four games in a season. Not to say that Marlowe's any kind of savior right now, but Marlowe can still play. Yeah. And the Sharks need forwards that, that can play both ways comp- uh, competently. Well, at least they needed them when they were trying to win games and trying to stay in the race. Now, you know, it may not matter as much. Um, they could have signed guys like, and this is just, you know, I think in the end, it's sort of a blessing in disguise because none of these guys would have saved the Sharks' season. Mm-hmm. But it would have sort of, um, you know, Sharks, uh, uh, Doug Wilson looks bad. Uh, the scouting staff looks bad because they put so much on the, on these young players, right, to come in and for one of these guys to make a, one of these forwards to make an impact and stick, stick in the lineup. You know, guys like, and I'm not singling them out, but guys like Gambrell and, uh, you know, Chimilewski, et cetera, et cetera. You know, a whole bunch of, a whole, whole bunch of uh, uh, prospects were sort of uh, offered as, you know, these guys, one of these guys will emerge and, and help out the team. I, I, at least that's what they're counting on. And so when, when, when all this <laughs> fails, uh, of course, all these guys sort of uh, don't, don't work out, and then guys take a step back this year. You, uh, you just have a team that's made up of a you know a bunch of top sixers and, and a bunch of fourth liners basically, and there's no middle class in the in the forward depth. So anyway, uh, you know they could have they could have you know signed a guy like Don Skloy or, or Zingo. You know guys kind of in a reasonable they they might have been able to fit into into the salary cap. Uh, they could have made a, a pass at trading for a Gusev or a Hala because both, both those guys went for not uh, high prices. Of course, that will be dealing with Vegas, and who knows if Vegas would have been even inclined to deal with San Jose in the first place. Yeah. But the truth of the matter, though, is, though, that none of those guys, even if they would have been, they would have helped this lineup out, none of those guys would have turned this particular season around. Yeah. And so, you know, not 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 to be a, 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 I guess a defeatist here, but uh, maybe it works out for the best that they didn't throw these assets, uh, you know, throw sell cap space at guys who are good, uh, or or trade assets at guys who are good but who weren't, you know, ultimately going to help this team uh, make the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, you know, you kind of last year you had a lot of sharks heavy 
career best seasons. Mm-hmm. And then this year, it just seems like a lot of sharks are having some of their worst seasons ever. Right. So you kind of get that balance of averages there. So hopefully next year we get, you know, some of these guys who are hopefully were, you know, going to take steps forward, like your team of Myers. Yeah. Um, next year, they kind of do take that step forward, maybe with a new coaching staff, a new system and stuff. So, yeah. And actually, to, to, to go further on, on, on the point I just made in terms of it being a bad look for management and the scouting staff, um, you kind of um, push your prospects forward as, you know, guys, someone's going to contribute this year or some of these guys are going to contribute. Uh, you do not make any significant free agent signings. You know, your biggest free agent signing at forward was Johnny Brodzinski, I think had a total of six career goals, you know, uh, yeah. in his whole career right before uh, coming to San Jose. Um, you don't sign any, any, any trials, uh, any, any, any camp trials, any veteran forwards. Um, you know, I, I know as as much as people uh, dislike uh, uh, Michael Haley, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he honestly he would have been better than than some of the players that I think he would have been better than some of the players that we saw uh, uh, them try out of forward this year. Uh, and of course, he, he didn't make any any of the larger moves to like go after a Gusev or uh, sign, uh, be in a conversation to sign a Donsko or Zingo. So mm-hmm. it's sort of just a bad look because. It's it's it stated a, a large vote of confidence for the young prospect, you know, a, a large uh, miss by 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 Wilson and, and the scouting staff. That's what it looks like, at least. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I guess what I'm saying uh, in in summary is that they could have made these moves at, at least, uh, and it would have been at least better for them on the on the, on the PR side, where they could say like, well, you know, like. Uh, we didn't know that that Thornton was gonna get older, and yeah, we we signed Don Scoy, and he's you know, and the worst player out of the playoffs. Yeah. So, but anyway. All right, give us a little bit of hope. I know the Sharks' prospect pool is not the greatest; it's pretty shallow. But what guys do you like that's you know currently in the CUDA or below that you think will might make an impact starting next year or you know in a couple of years? Well, I wish I could offer a lot of hope. <laughs> uh, I think that the, the, the problem with the Sharks for the depth is, or their forward prospects is they actually do have a, a lot of depth. They have a lot of players that have a chance, mm-hmm. you know, players of some talent. But they don't have uh, they don't have anybody like a Meyer or a Hurdle. You know, they don't they don't have anybody like that down in the system. You know, their best prospect Merkley has a ton of red flags, which I'm sure you guys. I've heard about, and so he's yeah. no, he's nothing close to a guarantee either, uh, in terms of being an impact player. And so they have a, a lot of guys who might make an impact at a middle six kind 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 of room, which it, those kind of guys are important. And if a, a couple of those guys do kind of kind of pan out, you know, maybe uh, maybe a year later than you know this year, a year later than the Sharks manager wanted them. That's gonna be great. This this team definitely does need a lot of forward depth. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to say who really you know uh, stands out. You know, Blickfeld is a guy. He's an interesting shot. Uh, he's a good shot. Uh, but you know, he, he's you know, like a lot of Sharks forwards. Uh, their skating is a kind of a question. I think that skating being a question is also the case with Alexander True. Or a Kopkoff. Um so you know, sharks sort of have a Lutunov. You know, they they sort of have a uh, gift for collecting uh, big, uh, talented, skilled, but kind of slow forwards. 
Yeah. Um, so it's 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 hard to say. You know, you name me a prospect. There's something interesting about them, and there's something that can translate to an NHL. You know, Gregor, his speed, and he has NHL speed. Uh, but it's hard to say for sure if any of them are going to be significant contributors. And of course, that sounds all doom and gloom, and can be. You know, if 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 if, if, if all of them uh, fail to pan out, like you know, all fail kind of fail to pan out this year. But like I said, they, the the sharks, the prospect uh, pool is does have a lot of breath, you know, and so a lot of uh, a lot of depth, and so maybe maybe a couple of these guys will uh, pan out in kind of middle six kind of uh, roles uh, up top, and that would be a huge uh, a huge uh, plus for the sharks. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna go drink bleach now. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, 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 you don't have to drink, drink, drink any any bleach. You can just uh, look back and think about all the Stanley Cups that you guys won. All these ouch, ouch, ouch. Well, hopefully you're a Warriors fan. Hopefully you're a Warriors fan, right? So, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there you go then. So you can't, you can't be greedy. You can't be greedy, right? You have to, you have the Giants and you have the Warriors. You have plenty, yeah. plenty of titles. Plenty of titles to go around. <laughs> Shang, thank you. Uh, so definitely want to plug your stuff now. So you actually just had two articles come out today on Fear the Fin. Uh, so you had your mid-season uh, awards. Um, I think you spoiler Connor McDavid. He's really good. Uh, <laughs> Other spoiler: there are no sharks on my ballots for the uh, for my midseason awards. So. <laughs> I'm the lack of Martin Jones on there is really disappointing. Uh, <laughs> and then you also had one where you uh, you had interviewed former uh, shark Bernie Nichols, uh, kind of about their season. And, um, so yeah, go check those out. Um, Shang, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, go ahead and drop your Twitter handle. If you're not following Shang, that's a big problem, but go ahead and uh, drop your Twitter handle. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it's uh, at uh, Shang underscore Peng, S H E N G underscore P E N G on Twitter. Awesome. So, yes, uh, right now we're going to be jumping into, as always, our Palpatine Award winners for the episode. So, if you'd like, to hang out with us for a couple more minutes, Shane, you're more than welcome to. I'm too weak. All right, Rodney, do you want to get us kicked off with your two-week award winner? Yeah, it's actually just happened today. I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much. Um, it's a look. Um, Let's see, controversial, but Kendrick Perkins responding to um, one of, I guess, responding to a fellow random Twitter with something offensive. So, yeah, if you if if you haven't seen it, just look it up, and then you'll see. I mean, it's just it's don't yeah. be racist, guys. Come on, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> oh wow, yeah, I actually bad. hadn't hadn't seen this. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, not great. Okay, well. <laughs> read, 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 read Pluto Shin, Shinzawa, not uh, not Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, that's all. Go ahead, Jerry. Right. And then my uh, unlimited power uh, winner actually is going to be uh, one and only Thomas Hurdle, who's making his first All Star Game appearance. Um, 
I know he got in because uh, Couture got hurt, but I mean, I think and it hasn't been the best truck season, but he's been having a pretty solid season. Uh, he's 35 points right now, uh, one behind Couture and Carlson for the lead. Uh, he's second on the team for forwards for time on ice. And, uh, you know, I think just his personality is so infectious. Um, just, you know, the way he plays the game and just the smile on his face. And, you know, it's kind of cool to see kind of these homegrown guys. That, like we love uh, kind of get their get their spotlight and kind of get to show off. Uh, you know, I think for a long time, the Sharks have been Joe Thornton and Brent Burns, and, you know, Couture in the playoffs. And it's just kind of nice for these uh next wave of guys to kind of start taking the spotlight so enjoy your weekend in st louis um i don't know why it has to be st louis but uh you know enjoy your weekend in st louis hurdle and we'll see you back on monday for uh this end of this the start to the end of this season so um <laughs> oh and can i say too i I'd like to add uh to uh to tommy that he really is a a, a joy to to cover uh, his kind of a combination of of a kind of a, a candor and vulnerability, along with just the cheerfulness, is really uh, it's 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 really kind of a one in a kind uh, in in the sharks room. And he really is uh, as fun to cover uh, uh, personally as it appears on on TV. That's good to hear because you always like some guys where you're always kind of a little worried. Some guys are. You know, like, oh, that guy seems nice. And then you hear, like, you know, the guy's a total jerk. But I'm glad to see you. <laughs> yeah, there. the big smile with Tommy is, it seems, seems pretty, pretty real. Yeah. So um, I think that's going to do about do it for us tonight. Uh, so thanks again for everybody for listening and following. Uh, so we're on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor. Um, you can find us just about anywhere if you do have a certain platform that you want let us know we'll be happy to try to to do that um if you have any questions for the show you can reach us on twitter at midexception or drop us an email at midexception at gmail.com um if you want to reach out to us personally uh rodney drop that handle yeah it's uh, at uh karate double underscore champ and then twitter. you can reach me on twitter at my fry hole uh, thanks again uh, for listening, and thanks to the great Shang Peng for uh, you know taking some time out of your All Star Week uh, vacation to come hang out with us and for a couple of minutes. So, yeah, absolutely, guys, anytime. Awesome, we appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it very much. So, so, all right, Rodney, say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>